turn around and grab your Bibles. Just, just grab your Bibles. I'm going to do something. I'm going to let you, don't, don't be seated. You're going to get to be seated in just a second. I'm not going to have you stand much longer, I promise. But take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 15. Everybody else can go on home. Those six people who are excited can stay. We'll be having us some chats. No, Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 15. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, belong. Look at another neighbor and say, you belong here. The theme for Epicenter Church in 2018 is belong. 2019, thank you for correcting me. I hadn't flipped a calendar yet. Some of y'all want to get older. I don't necessarily want to. But 2019, the theme is belong. So the series that we're in is more than a series. It's a concept that we are going to revisit throughout the year, the sense of belonging. We need to understand what it means to belong, the characteristics of belonging. When God says we belong to him, belonging to the body of Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it best when he wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus about this very thought, belonging. In fact, I want to read this to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Don't turn there. It'll be up. Let me just read this to you because Paul says it better than I can. And here's what he says about the concept of belonging. He says this to the, to the church at Ephesus. He says, that's plain enough, isn't it? Question. You're no longer wandering exiles. What you need to understand is the Jewish people would understand that and relate to that because they would have a frame of reference of their ancestors who were wandering nomads. The Gentile culture would feel like they could relate to that because they had always been excluded and never brought in. And now he says this, he says, the kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders because you belong here. Somebody say, you belong here. Look at your neighbor and say, you belong here. Look at the one that you did not choose and say, you belong here. We all have our bracelets on. They say belong. The whole entire book called the Bible is built upon the concept of belonging. If you study the gospels of Jesus Christ, there was a sense of belonging. Jesus had 12 disciples that belonged to him and they ultimately believed because they realized they belonged. You see, there are some concepts about belonging that we've got to grab and let our spirits hang on to. He goes on to say, this he says you're no longer strangers or outsiders you belong here with as much right to the name christian as anyone god is building a home he's using us all irrespective of how we got here it was in what he is building he used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation now he's using you somebody say he's using me that in and of itself should be incredible for you he's using me He's fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all of the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Mm. Somebody say, you belong here. Look at the person beside of you, shake their hand and say, you belong here. 
Shake somebody else's hand and say, you belong here. Shake somebody else's hand. You belong here, and you belong here, and you belong here, and you belong here, and you belong here. Somebody get rowdy and say, you belong here. You can, you, you can, Jesus. Security. <laughs> you, you can be seated. Keep playing for me, Richard. That's awesome. Hang on a second. But what you need to understand about this letter that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, it's incredible because he's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus who there was this conflict within them, sense of belonging that was escaping them. And the more you think about it, there is a fundamental need within all of us to feel like we belong. It's built into our divine DNA, the very fabric of who we are, our emotional, our mental, our spiritual, our physical psyche. We all have this sense, this desire to belong. So Paul understood that, but what he was saying to the church of Ephesus is that you belong to God and you are the sheep of his pasture, all, all of that stuff. But what he was also saying is with those blessings of belonging to God, there is a responsibility that comes that you should make others feel as if they belong. In fact, what Paul is saying is a parallel statement to what God spoke to the children of Israel during the Exodus. During the Exodus, when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt after 400 years of slavery, they were going to what they thought was the promise, but then they found out that the Egyptian army was chasing them down and they didn't know what to do. They got backed up to the Red Sea and, 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 and God spoke something over their lives. When Moses said, what do I do? And the Red Seas began to part and, and, and they ran across on dry ground and they get to the other side and Moses takes his staff and he lifts the staff, staff up and all of a sudden the, the seas collapse and it annihilates and kills all of the Egyptians, their chariots, their, their army and everything. And all of the people of Israel begin to shout and scream for praise and celebrate the goodness of God. There's this, this sea of celebration. They're writing these worship songs because God is good. We belong to him. We are the sheep of his pasture. So they write all of these victory praises. Do I have any victory praisers in the house of God today? Because the Bible says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Now, here's the deal. That was Exodus chapter 14. Three chapters later, they have a different situation. Exodus chapter 17. Now, Moses is not dealing with a sea but he is dealing with a different type of sea. It's a sea of complaints. Moses, why would you bring us out here? It's hot out here, Moses. It's too hot for us to be hanging out. There's sun beating all down on us. We don't like this, Moses. We should have just stayed over in Egypt, Moses. It would have been better for us to have been slaves and died in slavery than to come out here and to die of thirst. Come on, Moses, weren't you thinking? Is God among us or not? 
then the infinite grace of God showed up when God told Moses strike the rock that is there he took the same staff and he struck the rock and water began to flow to the tune of millions of gallons a day there is so much symbolism here because the rock of obstacle gave way to the rock of resources and there's a foreshadowing that's talking about a rock that will come a couple of thousand years later the rock of ages by the name of Jesus Christ who will tap us into a flow that comes from heaven how many of you want to be in that rock on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand in 2019 the flow of heaven will be in your life healing will be in your life hope will be in your life restoration will be in your life but it's not something that you just receive it's also something that you bring how many of you are going to bring praise to God in 2019 bring praise to your workplace bring praise to your home bring praise to your school bring praise to your neighborhood I'm just getting warmed up Woo! but it is kind of getting hot up here on the stage I'm just saying I need to get back to the narrative. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So where are we at? Okay, so that's Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. Today we're picking up at verse 8. Let me show you something. Verse 8. Let's read this together. It says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Hold on a second. God just said, I'm with you. I'll be with you. You're the sheep of my pasture. And I'm going to take care of you. I've always had I'm going to be with you. I've always been with you. The rock is now spewing water out by millions of gallons a day, taking care of the sustenance of life. And then it says the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Now hang on a second. It's not the same old problem. It's a new problem. It's not the same old, same old. It's just like, I can't catch a break. It's always something. Anybody ever lived there? It's always something. Am I preaching to myself today? It's always something. It's the next few verses, though, that give us the title for today's message. It says, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. And, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. He held up his hands. They were winning, holding the staff in his hands. His hands fell down. He's an old man. They began to lose. Verse 12, this is where the title comes from. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Ur held his hands up, one on one side, and one on the other, so that his hands remain steady till sunset. Hold on a second. Get the visual in your heads. It says that Moses was in the middle. Aaron was on one side. Ur was on the other side holding his hands up. It says they kept him that way until sunset. Some of your translations say they propped him up. Look at your neighbor and give to them the title of today's message. I'm coming down here, so camera follow me. You know, when I come down here, it's just, it's trouble. So look at your neighbor and give to them the title of today's message, and that is give props. Somebody say give props. 
Look at somebody else and say, give props. Give props. Okay, so I, I, need, I need some help with this visualization. James, I need some help. David, I need some help. Okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. Right here, right here, right here. Watch, no, 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 just, just three, just three. Next time I'll use four, so hang with me. I can't use four in this illustration right now. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I want you to visualize what's happening here because this is, this is imperative so that you grab this. This has to resonate with your spirit. All right, you with me? Today, you're Moses. Come right here, you're Moses today. Don't let it go to your head. It's just for today. You're Moses. You're Aaron. You're standing right here. You're Ur. That's a name right there, brother. I'm just telling you. Okay, so the Bible says that when Moses' hands went down, they began to lose. And so they would lift his hands up. It says when Moses' hands, grab this, went down, they would begin to, to lose. So they would lift his hands up. It says when Moses' hands were up. There you go. Yeah, there you go. But when Moses' hands would fall down, they would begin to lose. Hold on a second. When Moses' hands were up, they were winning. Somebody say belong. Do you, do you see a sense of belonging in this illustration? Ho, 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 hold on a second. I'm not done here because I feel the spirit of the Lord with this. When Moses' hands went down, they began to lose. When his hands were up, they were winning. There's a concept here that makes me think of the words of Jesus Christ, the rock of ages that he spoke later, where two or three are gathered in my name. There I shall be in the midst of the good God. Of my. This is for somebody, somebody in this place. The enemy thinks that he has defeated you, but there's about to be a turnaround in this place because when you begin to give God props, what went down is about to turn around. Has anybody in this place ever experienced a turnaround in the name of God or you need a turnaround? Did somebody give him props? Mm. Somebody say, give props. Give props, give props. Come on the stage. Y'all got to come on the stage. Come on. You can put your hands down for a moment, Moses. Come on. I'm going to just go ahead and say, y'all are a glutton for punishment because you volunteered. I want you to stand right here, right here. Aaron, right here. Moses, right here. Er. The Bible says when... Moses' hands were up. Moses' hands were up. It's all in who I'm working with. Okay, hold on, grab this. Somebody say, give props. I want to give props to some people right now, though. I want to give props to some volunteers. Do you know there are volunteers that make... Listen, without volunteers, we couldn't do what we're doing right now at this very moment. Did you know that? There are people who showed up this morning as early as 6 a.m. so that we could have church. There are people all over this building who are volunteering at this moment so that you can enjoy this. There are volunteers who's come this week who's put together all of this stuff that you've got in your hands so that you can enjoy the service. There are volunteers that are down the hall that are now keeping your kids so that you don't have to listen to them crying down here. There are volunteers at this moment that are going around this building to make sure that you are secure and safe while you're in this building. There are volunteers who take up the offering so so that you can give with a glad heart. There are volunteers who make sure that the AC is just right or the heat's just right so that you can complain every week that it's hot and it's cold. We can't figure out which one y'all want. 
There are volunteers that showed up at 6 a.m. This worship team, volunteers, and they showed up this morning at 6 o'clock so that they could begin to put together. They came on Thursday night and they rehearsed. There are volunteers that make this thing happen, and I want to give props to the volunteers. And we can always use some more volunteers. Somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say belong. Belong. Let me get back to the narrative. Moses has his hands up. We want to make sure that he's not doing that in vain. Here's what it says. Verse 12, it says, When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and propped him up. Aaron and Ur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Verse 13, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears this because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek under the under heaven. Moses built an altar and he called the altar, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of God, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Hang on a second. I love this passage of scripture. There are two things that stick out to me. Number one is the human implementation coupled with the power of God. Number two is the name, the Lord is our banner. I want to talk about the Lord is our banner for a minute because we're going to use it as the backdrop to dissect this passage of scripture. Does Moses still have his hands up? Okay, keep your hands up, Moses. I told you, man. Jehovah Nisi is the Hebrew name for the Lord is our banner. Think about this concept. How do we use banners? How are banners displayed? They're displayed in coliseums to mark champions. Jehovah Nisi. Did you know that this is the only place that the name Jehovah Nisi is used in the Bible? The only place. The banner of God, the Lord is our banner, is hanging over the people of Israel because he's marking them as victorious before the battle ever starts. Are you grabbing this? One theologian says this. He says that we understand when we recognize the name, the Lord is our banner, Jehovah Nisi, that we belong to God. But what's even better is that we become keenly aware of his power, not because of what he does for us, but because of what he does through us. Hold on. Y'all may have to just do this. He's going to burn in a little bit. Hang on. All right, so grab this. Notice that the name Jehovah Nisi does not come when the Red Seas are parted. Why? Because God did all of that. The name Jehovah Nisi comes when they are fighting and they win the battle against the Amalekites. What does that tell us? It tells us it's us working with God when that name came about. Why? Because we belong to God. He was now doing a work through us rather than a work for us. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me think about this belonging thing because we all want to belong. We have a fundamental desire to belong. The problem is the people of Israel never felt like they belonged because for 400 years they'd been enslaved. For 400 years they didn't think that there was ever going to be a breakthrough. 
They didn't feel like they belonged, and that's why God had to constantly say to them, you belong to me. You are the sheep of my pasture. I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm always here. I've always been here. I will always be here. Okay, but hold on a second. That's what he says to them in verses 5, 6, and 7. We looked at that last week. But then verse 8, hold on, watch. Verse 8, verse 8, I'm with you. I've always been with you. I'll always be with you. Verse 8, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. They're still at Rephidim. They haven't even left. God just said moments before, I'm with you. I will always be with you. I will always be for you. The Amalekites came and attacked at Rephidim. I'm always with you. I'll always be with you. I'm always for you. The Amalekites came and attacked at Rephidim. Boom! You know the knee-jerk reaction is, hold on a second, I thought we belonged. We don't understand this. The people of Israel are not a warring nation. In fact, they've been enslaved for 400 years. They've never fought a battle. God himself defeated the Egyptians, and now they're having to fight the Amalekites, and the Amalekites are a warring nation. They're descendants of Esau. They've been at war, will continue to be at war. Yeah, your hands are still up. Keep moving around. Make sure you got some circulation. And here, if God is for us, we don't understand. You know, that was their knee-jerk reaction. In fact, even Moses said in verse 5, he said, God, these people are going to kill me over these problems. And right here's another problem. But hang on a second, because the issue is deeper. Their problem was was not fear, their problem was not anger, their problem was not uncertainty, their problem was really not even the Amalekites. Their problem was deeper. It's kind of like if you have a tire that constantly loses air and you stop at one of those machines to put air in that tire all the time. Those, those machines used to cost like 25 cents. Now they're $1.25. Can somebody say inflation? Wish I'd have known that like years ago. I'd have bought a bunch of those machines. So you go and you put your $1.25 in, you put air in your tire, and you do this over and over again. You do it 10, 15, 20 times a year. Rather than dealing, you're dealing with the symptom rather than dealing with the problem. The problem is the nail. You are not catching what I'm throwing. So if you've got anger and you're constantly taking out your anger on those that you love the most, then you wonder why you can continually have, constantly have these problems with inside of your relationship. It's because you're putting air in your tire, but you're not dealing with the nail that's in the tire. Hold on. Your problem is not fear. Your problem is not uncertainty. Your problem is not anger. Yes, fear leads to uncertainty. Uncertainty brings about anger, but that's not your problem. That are, that's just the symptoms of your problem. Your problem is you don't trust in Jehovah Nisi enough. And once you begin to trust in Jehovah Nisi enough, you'll realize that you are under his banner and that he makes you victorious. Why? Because the Lord is our shepherd. Lord, have mercy. We are the sheep of his pasture and he's for us. We belong to him. You know Aaron and Ur. You know that there are some people right now who are making New Year's resolutions to deal with the symptoms rather than the problem. Okay, so 
You think getting a new job is going to make you feel successful. Your job is not what makes you successful. Getting a new job will not make you successful. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says that when you meditate upon his word both day and night, at that moment he will make you prosperous and successful. Some of you, you're counting everything that goes into your mouth. You've got this like healthy food resolution. You're counting calories, you're counting carbohydrates, you're, you're counting sugar, you're, you're counting saturated fats, you're doing sit-ups and crunches and all that stuff's good. But maybe rather than counting what's going into your mouth, we ought to be counting what's coming out of our mouths. Because some of you are proclaiming and complaining about the symptoms rather than addressing the problem. Hold on a second. Some of you, sorry about this, man, sorry. Some of you, hold on, some of you are living under a different banner. You're, you're, you're fighting under a different banner. You're fighting under the banner of conflict. You're fighting under the banner of, of criticism. You're, kinding, you're, you're, uh, you're fighting under the banner of, of unforgiveness. You're, you're, you're fighting under a, a, a different banner. And those banners contradict the whole theme of Scripture, which is belong. What did Moses do? The Amalekites came and attacked at Rephidim. Look at what he did, verse 9. Verse 9, hold on a second. Hold on, verse 9, verse 9, verse 9. Verse 9, you with me, Moses? He said, uh-huh. Verse 9 says, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. He said, Joshua, you, you go and you fight with those guys, me, Aaron, and Ur. We're, we're going up on top of the mountain. I'm going to hold the staff of God in my hands. All of a sudden, the staff became the banner for the people of Israel. Hold on a second. He's holding this banner up. All of the people of Israel can see. Hang on a second. When we are under the banner of God, it should change what is coming out of our mouths. Are you with me? Hold on, let me go one step further because the banner of the Lord, the Lord is my banner, does, that banner does not represent defeat. It does not represent lack. It does not represent uncertainty. It does not represent sickness. It does not represent any of those things. Let me go one step further. Stay with me as I dissect this. How do we utilize banners? Whew, Moses, I know your arms are burning. How do we utilize banners? This past week, I had the privilege of, of going with one of my sons to the North Carolina State, the, the UNC Tar Heels basketball game. And, and, and usually, how do we display banners? When you display a banner, it's, it's up inside of the uh, Coliseum, the arena, so that you can see champions play here. And so I'm watching this game, and everybody knows I'm a Carolina Tar Heel fan, so I'm, I'm, I'm at this game, watching this game, and I look into the rafters where the banners should be hanging, and what I noticed is that were, there were no banners hanging there because they haven't won anything. So um, somebody said, amen. But if you were over at the Dean Dome, amen, there are banners hanging in the rafters, like dozens and dozens of banners. They are unmistakable. They are undeniable. They represent champions, championships. That's what they 
represent. Hold on a second. They are unmistakable. They are undeniable. They're, they're hanging in the rafters. They're, how are we using the banner of God? You see, we should be using the banner of God the same way. Because when we are under the banner of the Lord, the Lord is our banner. We should celebrate everything that God has done for us up until this moment. Because we realize he is Jehovah Nisi. Because we realize that we are the sheep of his pasture. Because we realize he is our shepherd. And because we know that he's going to take care of us. That's the banner that we should be fighting under but there's so much symbolism here because the bible says that when moses's hands were up they were winning when moses's hands were down that feels good don't it that feels good take you a breath it's okay when moses's hands were down they were losing when moses's hands were up come on take his hands up slowly as the blood flows back they were winning. There's some symbolism here. The symbolism is when they recognized, when they were in the valley looking up and they could see the staff of God, they realized whose side they were on. They realized who was for them. They realized everything that the staff had done up until this moment. Now, now, now. So grab this, grab this. However, when his hands were down, Here's some symbolism. Some of you need to, to do the bird box challenge. And you just need to put on a blindfold to what you see so that you can control what you say. Okay? Okay? All right. Let me go further. So think about this staff. So Moses has the staff in his hand. I preached a whole message on this staff one time. Aaron and Ur are holding up, they're propping up, propping up, they're giving props to Moses, and ultimately they're all giving props to God. And, and, and so the staff for the shepherd was, was a, a stick that was used. And many times the shepherds would take that staff and they would carve into that staff the major moments, the major events in their lives. So that every time they saw that staff, they would remember. The problem with Moses, his staff didn't really have anything remarkable to remember because everything in his life was broken. Everything in his life was messed up. Every, that staff represented pain and, and, and failure and everything that he had lost. That staff represented everything that was messed up about his life. But now Moses is using the staff in a different way. He's changed the usage of that staff. He's changed the position of that staff. And he's also changed the name of that staff. It is no longer the staff of Moses. Now it is the staff of God. Lord have mercy. It's no longer the staff of Moses. It's the staff of God. It's no longer that job. It's the job that you use to give God props on. It's no longer that house. It's the house that you use to give God props on. It's no longer brokenness. It's now called wholeness. It's no longer sickness. It's now called healing. It's no longer unforgiveness. It's now called forgiveness. It's no longer I can't. But it's I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's no longer I can never be enough. Now we know it's his grace is more than enough. So when the staff went in the air, the sea collapsed. When the staff went in the air, manna and quail came down. When the staff struck the rock, there was water. But see, the staff used to remind them of their problems. But now the staff reminds them of his promise. Good Lord have mercy. 
Mm, hold on a second. Where was I at? Where was I at? Where was I at? Where was I at? Hold on. Where was I at? Where was I at? You okay, Moses? Hang on, because I don't want to miss anything. Everybody okay back here? Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Um, so Joshua and its soldiers, every time they look up, they see the staff. When they see the staff, they recognize and remember all that Yahweh has done. They recognize that he's for them. That he is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our banner. Because they remember everything God has done through this staff. Hold on a second. How can we accomplish everything that God has for Epicenter Church if there's not a sense of belonging? How can we do multiple campuses and all of those things if there's not a sense of belonging? Let me tell you something. In 1974, 46% of Americans went to church. 46%. In 2017, that percentage is 12%. In between 1974 and, and 2017, we lost 34% of the people who went to church. Here's something else that is even more scary. In 1974, consistency, those who went to church, 46%, they saw consistency as three out of four Sundays. In 2017, the 12% that go see consistency as one out of every eight Sundays. So how in the world do we meet culture where they're at? got to stop looking at our differences the church in general has to stop looking at our differences we're so good at focusing on our differences denominational differences traditional differences racial differences time we begin to focus on our togetherness. It's time for us to begin to focus on what is alike about us so that we can reach, reach and meet the needs that culture has that's all out in front of us. You see, some of us, some of us are better at holding on to tradition than we are at holding on to his truth. You with me, Moses? probably saying I ain't ever sitting down on the front again just hang on we're not we're about done let me get back to the narrative look at verses 14 and following I need you to see this 14 and following there's only um, 15 verses in, in here so we, we, just two more verses is there 16 sorry yeah there is 16 my bad all right so then the Lord said to Moses write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears this because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under the sun. Moses built an altar there and he called the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord and the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Why did he want Joshua to hear this? Grab this. Why did he say, I want you to say this loud enough and you make sure that Joshua hears this? Can I tell you why? Because he did not want Joshua, who was going to have many more battles in the future, to think that he won the battle on his own. 
You see, they had a, in this chapter, they had a water problem and they had a battle problem. But that was not their greatest problem. Their greatest problem is that they had not been looking to God for the answer. They learned something in this battle. So I wrote this down. You got to grab this. We're getting real close. The staff became the physical manifestation of the truth that God brings the victory. Did you grab that? The staff became the physical manifestation of the truth that God brings the victory. Hold on a second. Think about this with me for a moment. The staff became the physical manifestation that God brings the victory. So there was a, 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 a water problem and God provided the rock. There was a battle and God provided the victory. You cannot allow the manifestation of your problem to rob you of your trust and motivation for God. Because your problem is not your marriage. Your problem is not your difficulty. Your problem is not your job. Your problem is not your kids. Your problem is that you are complaining about the symptoms in your life rather than praising and giving props to Jehovah Nisi. And once you realize that you are under his banner, you'll realize that you are more than enough. You are more than a conqueror. Once you realize that you are under his banner, the enemy stands no chance because you belong to God. You are his. We are the sheep of his pastor and he will take care of us good Lord have mercy everybody get up on your feet I didn't get to give this to the first service because you know we're always on the time schedule the first service. I'm going to give you something free this is going to hurt Moses because he has to stay here just a little longer staff of Moses had an identity shift and it became the staff of God the staff became the representation of the miracles of God in their lives so Moses said the Lord is my banner it became the physical manifestation that the Lord brings the victory about 1,500 years after this, there was another manifestation. There was a physical manifestation of Jesus Christ. And he became, when his arms were stretched a little differently, come down just a tad. The cross became the physical manifestation that God brings the victory. Come on, somebody. Give him praise up in this place. Give him praise up in this place. Give him praise. Woo! Y'all give him a hand clap too, man. Give him a hand clap. Woo! Lord have mercy. Some of you are losing the battle in your life because you're fighting under the wrong banner. It's not even that you... It's not that you don't want to fight under the banner of God. You're just dealing with symptoms rather than the problem. The Lord is your banner. He's, he's here for you. He has been here for you. He will always be here for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. 